I can show you my fucks. See how little I give them. Can't you hear I'm not listening to your bullshit once again? Welcome to another episode of the Adventures of the Yellow Peril and Magical Negro. Man, today is hot, everyone. Woo! So, if we sound slow... <laughs> it's because we're living in the devil's taint right now. Yeah, it's just roasting. I didn't ask for it. I didn't want it. Oh, my God. And for all of you who live in hotter climates who are like, you in the Bay Area, da-da-da-da-da. Yes, and this is my truth. <laughs> That's the end. It's too too damn hot. Um, so, folks, uh, this episode we started with uh, the wonderful sounds of Deanna Jones. From their Gasm Noir. Woo! And no fucks to give, because it's too hot to give a fuck right now. Always. Yes. Um, you can check out our blog, yellowperilmagicalnegro.wordpress.com, our SoundCloud account, uh, soundcloud.com slash Y-E-L-O-S-O-N, and you can email us at yellowperil.magicalnegro at gmail.com. Shall we get into our shit? Yes. Uh, what's your shit this week? I don't have anything right now because it's too hot to think. You go first. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, I've been playing lots of Splatoon. Okay. Splatoon is a lot of fun. It's mm-hmm. also basically a video game water water gun fight, which okay. is appealing on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's funny because it's sort of like, it gives me all the joy of a shooter without the anger and like the racial slurs and all that goodness that you usually get with a shooter, so. That's yeah. real. Um, and it doesn't bring up my uh, my tension levels, which sometimes happens with those games. So I fully uh, support that. That's a big thing. Um, uh, not not something I'm excited about, but just something I'm amused by. So, do you remember? Do you remember uh, when they were making the uh, uh, the food replacement? Uh, oh, Soylent. The Soylent. Yeah. Have you heard the most recent news about Soylent? No. They're up for a lawsuit. Oh no, what happened? They found cadmium and lead, (laughs) two highly toxic heavy metals, (laughs) which we have known are toxic for a very long time, because they create blood poisoning, and you know, uh, mess up things you need, like cellular functions. You know what? You don't know what I need. (laughs) He knows what I need. That's what he's telling me with Soylent. Well, you know, oh a few God. more paint chips, right? Just right. Hey, people grew up in the 60s with lead paint. They're fine. The Romans used it all the time. They used it I all found the out t- that they actually would sweeten their wine with lead. See? That's where they had vomitariums. <laughs> uh, wow, we went off topic. No, <laughs> I mean... I mean, Soylent, vomitarium, it's all linked. Not, yeah, yeah. It's just like... I mean, the thing that got me was when I first read about this, and the dude's... When the dude self-admitted that he gave himself a heart condition, <laughs> within a few days of his test version of this, he gave himself heart palpitations. And because I was curious, I read up on this. You can really only do that to yourself by not eating for about three weeks. So in other words, whatever he had in his test was worse than starvation. <laughs> and, and I'm just sort of like... You know, there's a whole bunch of ways your test version could have been bad, but I could have said, well, you can t- you can fix it. But giving one of your core major organs problems within a few days, no, no. That's why they call it a test. <laughs> Scientific inquiry. 
He uh, got $22 million for this product. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. <laughs> we could make something. Oh, let's make something. Oh, well, all we have to do is think of what's the worst idea that entitled people could have. I'm thinking home bone saw kit for leg but, removal, arms, whatever. You know what else we need? What's that? We need a photogenic white person to pretend to be the inventor of it. Of course. Because once we get a photo of them on, like, Boing Boing or something like that, like the inventor of Bone Saw at home, yeah, that's when that company's going to sell. Yep. It'll, it'll be like, it goes perfect with the Paleolithic diet. You know, it's like, you eat like cavemen, but then you have the medical science of the Civil War. All in your own home. All in your own home. And why would you ever leave? <laughs> why? <laughs> How you can you leave after a <laughs> Um, you can. Morphine and antibiotics optional. (laughs) And now our our chia gangrene kit (laughs) for after it takes effect. Morphine or go traditional with a leather belt. Either option included. I think we may have found our genius billion dollar idea. So, folks, this is what happens when it gets hot and our fucks run out. Oh, God, it's so hot. I'm dying inside. Um... Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, did I mention last time that I read the new Thor, and it was really awesome? You, I don't remember, but if you did, mention it again, because I've read the first book, and I find it awesome as well. Um, the second book totally paid off, and I'm really interested to see where they go with this. On the flip side, though, I'm really ambivalent about Marvel overall, just because... Oof. You know, when people have brought shit up, they've been extra dicks about shit. They're dicky-dicky, like... I don't know what that sounded like. It sounded weird. Anyway, they are fucking assholes when people bring shit up. Like, well, but also both of the big two are. Yeah, like both DC of them are. and Marvel yeah. can just be total. And I don't know if it's like that they believe their audience doesn't have social like graces, so they shouldn't have them. I don't. I don't know what's happening there, but they just respond in the most rude ways possible. And I'm like, you. even if you felt this way, you didn't have to say it this way. It, and I find a lot of geek creators do that. Stephen Moffat does that. I'm like, yeah. he's a horrible person overall. Like, his misogyny, his racism, his homophobia. But some of the things he says, I'm like, you didn't have to make a joke out of mocking people. Like, why are you doing this? You know, it's funny because someone had brought up the point. They said, yeah, DC always fires their women and minority creators. Mm. But guess what? They hired some, at least. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like... Hmm, okay, point. Point. Marvel ain't even that. Yeah. Oh, goodness. So, yeah, I guess we're going to have, like, why must it be all the way throughout this, folks? Get ready for a very special episode. It's just too hot. It's too (laughs) damn hot. Um, Is there anything you're excited about? Uh, What am I excited about? I am. Okay, okay. so I just remembered what, what, like, fantastical thing I'm excited about. And if you're not, there's something wrong with you. I am super excited by the um, new, now I've forgotten if it's Vin Diesel or The Rock. Fuck. Wow. I know, that's how hot it is. That's how hot they are. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Well played, I, mean, well I, mean, I think it's The Rock. Um, but it's the last Witch Hunter movie. Oh, oh, yes, yes. Yes. Okay. I want to see this. So, for people who haven't seen it, like, I personally have an issue with films and TVs and... Films and TVs. That's how hot it is. Films, shows, books that portray all witches as evil. That's not something I want to see. Generally. But... Okay. And you know what? Telling me that and the fact that you have mixed them up gives me the best crossover idea. 
Now, if you can make Aliens versus Predator, you can totally have Last Witch Hunter and Chronicles of Riddick crossover. I watched that shit. No, here's why you could do it. Because the basis of the Last Witch Hunter is that, like, he's this old guy from Germany, which I'm like, when are we going to stop casting? Casting The Rock and Vin Diesel as white people. Like, stop giving them these blonde ass daughters. Like, the only way like, that's, the only uh, way it's going to work is you're going to tell me it's like Moorish <coughs> Spain, right? Like, yeah. I'd be like, oh, okay. okay, yeah. At least tell me they're mixed. That's all I need you. But when you just ignore them, they're like, we're just going to pretend he's white, and you will too, audience. And I'm like, but no. Um, so apparently, he is a German witch hunter, who are these people who hunt witches to the ends of the earth because they do things. I don't know. Eat people, make plans. I don't know. Women with power. Anyway, he kills the Grand High Witch. She curses him with her immortality before she dies. So now it's the modern day. His family's dead because he can't join them in the afterlife. Most of the witches are dead, but the Grand High Witch has been reborn. And Elijah Wood is the priest who's his new assistant. And there are no more witch hunters but him. And he teams up with Elijah Wood and some girl that's way too young for him. Playing like the Dreamwalker... Love interest. I did have the revelation that... So I'm always annoyed when they team these girls of, like, 25 with these men of 50 and don't mention but, but anything. let's also point out the fact that it's usually a girl of 25 who looks like she's 17. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, she generally looks underage. Um, she totally generally looks underage. And here's the thing. I'm not saying that intergenerational relationships don't work or can't happen or whatever. But it's but always one direction. It's always one direction. And it's always like... It just doesn't make sense to me that it's always this and it's never commented on. Like, I'm sorry. When I... Call, call me Judgy McJudgerson, but if I see a 50-year-old with a 50-year-old man with a girl who looks 17, I'm thinking father-daughter. If they look alike. If they look alike. If they don't, I'm... I'm I've got Predator. I've got Judgy eyes. It's Predator. It's Predator well, let's mode. Let's be honest. Like, it's the normalization of the R. Kelly mode. Oh. That's basically it. So, oh, yeah. oh, I have something else. Oh, should I save this for the, well, you just said. Anyway, so there's that I'm really excited about. But my point in that whole rant was that for some reason, someone had to point it out for me in this trailer. I didn't even notice how young she was because Vin Diesel and The Rock are so hot. Well, The Rock, uh, the rock in this, Dwayne Johnson, is so hot that I'm just like, oh, yeah, any age. It, 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 people, people of any age would have sex with him. This makes total sense to me. Yeah, that, that's only going to work for, like, David Bowie and Prince, right? Right, it only works for a few people. David Bowie, Prince, you know, you yeah, gotta yeah, be yeah. the right kind of Tina Turner. Um, yeah, right? So, yeah, that's that. Yeah. My other thing that I was excited about, and then it became a Why Must It Be. Oh is this new TV show on Hulu called Difficult People. Uh Um, So it's, like, from producer um, Amy Poehler. I love Amy Poehler. Um, And it stars Billy Eichner, who I'm not a huge fan of, loud, gay, white man, and um, uh, Julie Klossner, but has this book called I Don't Care About Your Band, which is about dating idiots, um, that a lot of my friends like. I was never able to get into it because it just felt like some white girl problems that I was just like, I can't. But it's their show together, and it's about them being horrible people. Okay. Um, like who, and you know, generally I can get behind a show that's about misanthropes. Okay. Like there are some moments in the preview, or like in the, where I'm like, yes, I would, I would say that. Like there's a moment where the where the girl's boyfriend is trying to ask her to go to this dinner, 
And she's like, you know, I think I'm just going to stay home in my PJs and watch the Oscars at home. And he's like, you know, you, I ask for so little. And she's like, and that's why we get along. Like, <laughs> I was like, I can get behind stuff like that, right? But then I also realized that when you have two white people acting privileged and misanthropic all the time, yeah. it's a little, mm. And so I only got like five minutes in because one of the storylines in the first episode is that the Julie Klossner character gets in trouble for a tweet she sends out. And you don't know what the tweet is at first. She sends something out. Her and the guy look at it. They laugh a little bit. They're like, you're funny. You find out afterwards when she starts getting flack. And I had to stop it because the tweet was... I can't wait till Blue Ivy is old enough to get pissed on by R. Kelly. I don't know if it says get pissed. It might be just, I can't wait till Blue Ivy's old enough for R. Kelly. It's something along those lines linking Blue Ivy and R. Kelly. You know, it's really interesting. Uh, it's really horrific how much black trauma. Like, actually, right? not, not, not even imaginary fake black trauma. Not like lasers and aliens, but like literal, real violence inflicted upon real people is used for lols. Like, they didn't bring up, they didn't bring up something from the color purple. They, they didn't bring up a seminal, like, black fictional moment. They brought up a real-life predator who has harmed multitudes of real-life black girls. Like, yeah. especially if you have not read the articles of people from Chicago talking about how he preys on uh, the high schools there and all and that. a lot you, of people who grew up there were like, he'd be hanging around the parking lot, he knew where, like, your burger joint was, he'd yeah, be there. He'd be there. So this is a predator. And so the fact that this was a joke just sent me into all kinds of, like, you know what, I can't watch this right now. Yeah. The only reason I'm even willing to maybe go back and give it another try is that Gabrielle Sidibe is in it, and it's clear that she can't stand that white boy. And she looks, and she at one point is like, why are you even talking to me? Like, and I was like, you know, if there's more her and less you, but also I just don't think, I think that sometimes this might be the, like, visual television equivalent of when someone shows you who they really are, believe them, yeah. and walk away. Because yeah. if that's your first joke, and it's supposed to be your pilot, and you're supposed to give me something strong to, like, hook me in, yeah, you've just shown me that you like black trauma as jokes, and yeah. that's not something... I don't feel... I mm. Honestly, that became my thing a lot. R. Kelly's about, another topic for another day. Go that ahead. became my big thing about, like, John Stewart and all that. Like, okay, you're commenting on racism, but guess what? The, you make jokes and jokes, but I haven't seen you take action. Yeah. And so you're making yourself a career while people are literally dying. One of the, one of the reasons I cannot stand Dan Savage. Well, cannot stand him. He's got plenty of reasons. I mean, plenty of reasons. Anyway, um, we should go to yes. the topic. Like, you know what? <laughs> this became a Why Must It Be episode. One day we should do that, where it's just Why Must It Be the whole time. just doc. full rage out. Just fully. You should bring liquor. Uh, I will probably bring sugar and tea. That and seems And we can perfect. be totally ramped up to just go the fuck off. This seems like a plan. Okay. I, I, sometime in the future, listeners, you will get a liquor and sugar... Um, Liquor and Sugar, um... Why Must It Be? Why Must It Be podcast. Although that reminds me that I have a, um, YouTube series I feel like I might want to start, or another podcast I might want to start, called Liquor and Cake, Mm. where you get a whole bunch of marginalized people together, like, once a week, once every couple weeks, to drink liquor, eat cake, and talk about the shit they go through in their life. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Maybe it's just a, a salon I should have. Maybe it's not a podcast or a YouTube series, it's just a salon I start having of, like... People of color drinking, eating sugar, and talking shit. I'm down for it. Um, <laughs> so, 
this episode, we're supposed to do anime. Yes. We're, and because it was too hot, this is about all we know. Is we're going to talk about anime. And manga. Yeah. Right? Or just anime. Yeah, we can do both. Can I do mean, both. since... Since manga does such a crossover to anime, yeah. so much better and so often compared to how we do comic books to movies or TV shows. True. Although, sometimes... I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm yeah. just saying they have a much higher percentage They have a much higher that. percentage of success. Yeah. What annoys me the most in the crossovers, though, from manga to anime, is when... Like, it's the 64-issue manga. And you're like, like 64 volumes, they try to shove it in, like, an hour and a half. Right? Or they take, like, three volumes from the middle and make that the movie, and I'm like, but there was no resolution. people are, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. There was no resolution. That was my full experience of Akira. (laughs) You were just like, what? Okay, biker gangs. But wait, now psychics? Now wait, what? Okay, Tetsuo Kaneda. Just keep, that, that's, that's our hook. You know? I mean, it's like a simplistic hip hop song. Tatsuo Kaneda. Tatsuo Kaneda. Should we just start with Akira? Sure. That's like a seminal. Yeah, for the I US. Think, for the US. Yeah, it's a total seminal work for the US in terms of anime. It's one of the first animes I remember being talked about as like a big thing, as artistry, as like this fucking thing you had to watch. It was interesting because I did see it in theaters before, um, like when it first released mm-hmm. in the US. And I remember I was completely confused, a little horrified by some of the violence. Oh my god. Amazed by the animation, but also just like, I don't know what happened there. Yeah. Right? And it was frustrating because despite the animation, because I don't know what the fuck happened there, I can't tell someone, well, what's it about? Well, uh... Stuff. (laughs) There's lasers and and psychics and bikes and shit explodes. Like... Sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. Um, But I think Akira... I watched Akira when I was way too young to watch it. So I didn't need storyline. I was just like, someone's exploding into something giant. What's happening? Why is this flesh expanding? I don't know. And I would just say, because remember, I don't know if you if you did this, but when I was a child, sci-fi used to be a better channel, first of all. Okay. But one of the things they used to do is they would show like whole blocks of anime. So you would get like five or six hours. Like it was the first place I watched Escaflone. It was the first place I watched... Well, not Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon was somewhere else. Um, but uh, it was the first place I watched Dragon Half. Like, all these things. Lotus well, War. Like, all so, these things were sci-fi channel. So this is the part where I'm a little older than you. Oh. Like, uh, because we had like Robotech. That. We had Robotech, and we had Star Blazers and Speed Racer. I love uh, Speed Racer. And the thing was, we still... Uh, we. St- this was before we even had Power Rangers come over as a Japanese crossover thing. So the only way you got anime was you had to find some sketchy, like, secondhand copy on VHS somewhere. Oh. Or you had to buy, like, one... There was only, like, very few things that had come out. And so it was, like, by the time it was on main... By the time it was on any TV shows, like, or on any TV channels like that, I was just like, oh, shit. Like, you know, I don't have to go to Chinatown and, like, get the copy that is dubbed over twice in two different languages, (laughs) or the one that has no subtitles at all, and just be like, I don't know what's happening. He kicks him and he explodes. So that's like, that's what's happening here, right? Sometimes visuals are all you need. Yeah. Um, Oh, God. But it's interesting to me, one of the big things is the demographic shift. Mm. How we went from primarily shonen anime to shoujo anime. Mm. Yeah, Um, yeah. Like, that's the biggest market now. Mm -hmm. Um... I think that's really interesting. Explain to the audience with Shonen versus Shoujo. Um, so Shonen is the stuff aimed at boys, 
uh, in the traditional hetero. Yeah, we shoot Pokemon. I mean, not Pokemon's a little more neutral. Pokemon's a little more neutral, but like like Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball, Naruto. I never got into Dragon Ball. Oh, you know what? Dragon Ball is a terrible anime and a much better manga. Is it? Okay, it's a better manga. I'm not going to tell you it's like brilliant or amazing or anything, but it's a better manga because you can basically like they don't have as much filler. Okay, you know, because I feel like I kept trying to watch the anime and I kept being like, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, but, um, so that was kind of the big flood of the initial anime that came out and manga. That was what we got, Um, like, hardcore. And it was also interesting because I feel like there was this interesting push in part because of, um, some of that also tended to be more, like, ridiculously objectifying and sexist. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of, like, jiggle. And that, that could work because we didn't have the internet where porn was just freely available. So it's like, you're under 18. You can't get a hold of real porn. But you can get a hold of of this. Yeah. But, you know, um, shoujo is all the stuff aimed at women and girls. And, you know, I'm not going to tell you it doesn't have its problematic parts, too. It definitely does. Because a lot of those have messed up gender tropes and Mm -hmm. expectations. Like, pretty much. Fucked up intergenerational shit. Like, if you want to. There is. the, The reason I don't read a lot of shoujo isn't even. Like, like the main reason is they have so many abusive relationships that are normalized. Yeah. And I don't get giant robots or something. Like, I'm like, okay, this is fucked up, but there's giant robots. As opposed to, this, this is, is just fu- fucked up, yeah. right? Like, like, yeah. But, like, Shoujo, I mean... So what? Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon, yeah. That so was sh- one of the big ones that yeah. I did in. So sh- Shoujo does have, like, these magic fighting princess girls... Which, I loved Sailor Moon. I didn't... No, wait. I should qualify that. I liked the show. I didn't like Sailor Moon herself. I was a Sailor Mars boy. Fair I enough. I like a fiery girl. I like someone who will, like, beat the shit out of you. That's always been my preference as a friend. Um, but, like, uh, Magic Knight Ray Earth. Yeah. Which, I love Magic Knight I, Ray I Earth. I love that one, too. That's um, so good. Clamp, Clamp is just an interesting trio of, like creators, mm-hmm. like, because they would always just make, like, they did very, like, spec-fix stuff with their shoujo. Yeah, And they would jump around between stuff like X, which was all, like, pretty boys with psychic powers. And very queer. Yeah. I remember X, like, as X was one that was coming out when I was in high school, and, um, uh, my, one of my friends got me into, I was gonna say co-worker, but we were in high school. Um, and I... For those of you who don't know, X is about, like, angels versus demons, or dragons of Earth. What was it? I, I don't remember. remember. I remember it was pretty boys it's, with psychic yeah, powers. That's all I remember. Two sides versus each other. No one knows which one is the good, which one is the bad. One's going to devour the Earth. One's going to save it. Who the hell knows? They're both sort of morally ambiguous. And the two boys who are the leaders of each faction happen to be, like, the best of friends. And they're flirty, flirty, and, like, everyone who reads it is, like, these boys are in love with each other. And I remember my friend, like, every time a new issue would be translated, she would bring it for me because she could read Chinese, I couldn't. So it would get translated to Chinese first, and then she would read it, and then the English translation would come in at the place where she read it stuff, and then she would bring that one to me. Nice. Um, But that was, yeah, Clamp did some really good stuff. Yeah. I haven't kept up with them. I don't know if they're still, like... I haven't either. I should probably check in and see what they've been up to. But, I mean, it's, like, it's really interesting just this demographic shift 
I think the other thing that's been interesting is like the whole market in the U.S. has changed. Yeah. Um, so initially, in order to get manga, companies like Dark Horse or then we had a whole bunch of indie comic companies like Clips and stuff would translate stuff, and then they would release it in the American comic book format. Yeah. And the problem is, is that the Japanese formats they were usually putting out like stuff either every week or if they did it once a month, it was actually bigger, but, like, overall, their stories were much bigger. And so here you are getting this tiny trickle of story and paying the same price for American comics, yeah. which was, like, it, it did, added up. It didn't make sense. Yeah. Um, and even when Dark Horse caught on and started to do, like, the um, regular manga-sized, like, additions, it was still more expensive. Yep. You still had a much longer wait. And it's like, you know, if we're talking 20 volumes and you're charging the usual graphic novel price of about 20 bucks. That's $400. Right. Who so, has that kind of money to, I mean, Jesus. Right. And so this is the part also when you start to hear about, like, theft increasing. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, you're 13. There's 40 fucking volumes. How do you think you're going to get it? Like, right. Yeah. Um, I, I remember, this is, I remember in Borders and Barnes & Noble, the kids used to sit there in and the manga section yeah. and just read it. Because how could you afford to take all that home? Right. Um, and, and so, like, it's really interesting because once companies started to figure out, they're like, oh, we need to bring this down to 10 or $12, which once a month, it does add up over time, but it's still more reasonable. And it's easier for people to, like, brush it off. Yeah. You know, buying, like, if let's say you're into... Five ongoing mangas a month. Oh which my god, is, yeah. <laughs> a fairly low number, actually. I, I know, but it's just like, I was just thinking about the price. Like, but, oh, but like, spending $100 a month is much more hard to excuse than spending 45 to $50 a month. Yeah. Like, you can totally rationalize, especially if they come in staggered, you can rationalize Yeah, you're buying one thing a week. Right? Exactly. Like, yeah. But, um, yeah, the $20, it was just something where it was like, how are you... And especially because when manga and anime got really big in the 80s and 90s, they started to translate it really quick and put well, it out... It until, like, the mid-late 90s. Mid-late 90s. That they start to, like, plow that shit out. So it wasn't like you had a long wait between volumes anymore. Yep. Now you've had, like, a month, if that, between volumes that were, like, $25. And it was like, no, I can I, No. And then once the internet kicked in, shit Scanlations. changed. Yep. Once, once the internet happened... Shit changed, but the other thing I think is really interesting is the mar- the the audience got even bigger. Yeah, the audience got bigger, but the money's not there anymore, right? For for buying them, like people will pick one thing that they really love and they may buy the books for that, but they don't need to buy the books to get the story. Well, and I think more often this is the um, to tie this into current current events. Um, for those of you who know, like, uh, Sesame Street just got bought by HBO. Uh, well, like I said, you know the rent is too damn high. <laughs> Sesame Street can't stay on public debt. <laughs> you know, at least, at least we'll still get it on PBS. There'll just be the nine-month delay, um, which means HBO gets, which means don't expect Sesame Street to be covered no current events no more. But, um... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just laughing because I'm imagining, like... Like, all the musicians. The kids are like, who? <laughs> <laughs> right? It's been nine months. Icky who? Um, oh, my God. Oh, I can't wait for kids to say that. As a side <laughs> note, a bunch, of my co- a bunch of my white co-workers at work today started to rap, and I just looked at them, like, jokingly, like, they were like, because we were 
we were talking about this person who was doing poetry on the street for money, and it, okay. it just okay. turned into, like, people trying to rhyme. And at one point, I just looked around, and I was like, why am I surrounded by Higgies today? And they all sort of laughed and then stopped. <laughs> um, it, was, it was a good moment. But um, I had a point, and I lost it. Talking oh, about they went to the internet. They went to the. They went to the. The thing about Sesame Street is that one of the reasons they had to go to HBO is that they've been losing money for years. Their money came from licensing, and that's where they were losing money. Mm-hmm. And I feel like manga and anime—that's where they make their money—is licensing. People don't buy the book anymore, but they but buy all the toys. They, they buy, buy the, the toys. They buy the video games. They buy the side things. They buy like the action figures. They buy this. These things they get into, like those, like kids. I shouldn't say just kids because it's people yeah. of all ages who do this. Like you may not have to buy the book because maybe you can't afford to buy eighty-seven volumes of Ubelblot. Right. But you can buy the look lord like the look-alike sword. You're like, yeah. I haven't bought the books, but I can buy this fifty-dollar sword to hang on my wall because it's I awesome. haven't bought the books, yeah, and it's yeah. awesome, and it'll remind me of a fan. So I think that like a lot of them make their money that way, and that's the model that a lot of. Um, a lot of these bigger companies uh, need to start moving towards because, unfortunately... Well, the, the part of the reason these other companies can't aren't doing well at that um, is because, well, here's the thing that's specific to the manga industry, is that more, the artists and the writers get more off their merchandising and they get more off their rights. Yes, they do. Which gives them incentive to actually try. And as, as opposed to Marvel, where it's like, Look, I've worked really hard for a year for you guys, and then you took everything I t- I made. I have no rights, and you kicked me to the curb. Speak, you know, on or it. like, and then like a half a year later, you did a giant crossover and undid the entire story I wrote, destroyed all the characters, made them reverse their positions on everything I did to build up their character. Why do I care anymore? Yeah, so let's let's just say that part of this podcast is going to be comparing American media to Japanese media, right? I mean, not just Japanese. But I mean, basically, we're here, and we're, this is how we're how we're experiencing. Exactly. It. Yeah. And so let's just say that the fucked up part is that you have these manga volumes that have gone on for over a hundred volumes, a hundred volumes of like seventy pages each. Yeah. Like they have gone on and they have maintained their audiences and grown their audiences in yeah. that time, and yet you have. These American comic books who can't sustain an audience for six issues. Right. Six months. Six months. That's all we needed you to sustain. Six months. And you couldn't do that. Yeah. And part of that, I do believe, is what you were saying. It's about the creators not having the rights. It's about the creators not making the money off. They're less invested. How invested are you in something where you make 50% of the money versus something where you make 5%? Well, you don't even get a percent. Yeah, you don't even so, get a percent. So, you just so, get a flat rate in Marvel. Yeah, like, you so, get paid, and so that's it. One of the things was, when, when I was young, I wanted to become a comic book artist, and I did a bunch of, like, you know, research. And at the time, uh, basically, a page was $100, and you're averaging 22 pages a month, right? $2,200, that's not great money. That's then divided between the inker and the penciler. Mm-hmm. So if you're not doing both, you're only getting a percentage of that. It was 60% to the penciler, 40% to the inker. So think about how much money you were making then. And that was like mid-90s. I can't imagine that's become awesome since then. I, I figure it's probably stagnated. Yeah. And so it's like, you're paid for shit. You have no benefits. 
and you don't get any mark. You don't get any percentage off of anything. Like well, that's it. The thing is, is it any wonder that the really interesting stories are coming from comic book companies like Boom and like other things that allow the creators to actually still own their creation, or people going to web comics, or people going to web comics. Look at fucking uh, like let's just take Noel Stevenson as a prime example. Um, Nimona, which started as a webcomic, which is now a collected print edition, and also has been optioned for an animated version, I believe. Right. Which is, have you read Nimona yet? Uh-uh. I'll loan you my copy. Uh-uh. It's like 16-year-old shapeshifter girl who shows up at, like, a villain's lair and is like, I'm your new assistant. And he's like, um... And he takes her on a mission at one point, she breathes fire and, like, kills two guards. He's like, no, we don't do that. She's like, but it's so easy. <laughs> It's so that, and then she did Lumberjanes with a few other people, mm. come through Boom, another great comic, won the Eisner, now has been optioned for a uh, live-action right. adaptation. Like, you, in so many ways, these people who are doing the webcomics who are coming up through creator-owned are the only ones who are able to, like, really be interesting. Because I think that the big two, often if you're, especially if you're working with one of their main characters, there are so many constrictions on what you can do. And here's one other thing. I and think people, I like you said, people undo it. Like, yeah. I'm working so hard for eight months, and then you're like, well, we didn't like that direction you took the character, and we're just going to undo all eight months like they didn't happen. And, and then here's the other thing that uh, I think is very interesting about the anime uh, and, you know, the manga scene, which is basically they have a much broader, uh, they have much broader uh, markets they're aiming towards. Yeah. You know, just the fact they have a shoujo market. Mm-hmm. We don't have a shoujo market of superhero stuff. No, we don't. Like, everyone's so fucking amazed. Like, oh, look, we had an all-women's team. It's 2015. You should have been already had this. Like, like you should have like, had this in the 80s. You should have had this... You should have had this a while ago. And it's like, you're, we're supposed to cheer and be amazed. Oh, we had a gay character. Really? Really? Because in the 90s, I was trying to get copies of a manga where two 16-year-old boys were making out and falling in love. For over a thousand fucking pages. But now you have to show me a gay kid on a movie and then show him dying. Okay. I mean, like, this is the thing. It's like, Japan at least figured out, hey, let's have multiple markets. Like, yeah. Let's get every... Comics are for everybody. Comics are for everyone, and we can direct things at certain markets. Right. And they'll buy them. Right. And, and so I think that's the other reason uh, manga and anime has pretty much mopped up out here, is because here's all these markets you just didn't supply to. Well, and can I tell you the amount of time that I've heard people get turned on to anime because they get told that there's like, oh, it's about three sisters who run a detective agency, and they have magic, and the youngest one is in middle school and happens to get a girlfriend. And, like, people go, wait, excuse me, what? Yeah. Like, there are actual concepts that, like, explore sexuality for, like, adults and adolescents and everyone within the context of, like, awesome paper magic. Right. Like, it's, it's, I, I love so much anime. I, not all of it. Some of it is just... The, but, you know, since we are covering the general topic, the, the two things which are like, I, uh, I wish it was better about race. Oh my god. I mean, I get, I get that Japan doesn't, you know, isn't as diverse, you know, everywhere it has folks, but... Yeah. The fact is, a lot of times when you have someone else depicted who's not Japanese or white... It's a problem. And especially if it's a black person. Oh, yeah. It's a problem. You know. Um, 
We've that, seen. that just bugs me. It bugs me to no end because it's like one of those things where it's like, you have people with purple hair and green skin. Why can't you just consider it a color shade and just not have to make people fucked up? Yeah. Right? Like, well, it's, yeah. number one. And, I mean... No, I'm not yeah. going to get into the... This isn't about anime directly. This is about um, the argument you always have to have with white people when you show them anime. And you're like, uh, no, the characters are Japanese. Yeah. Do you see where it's set? It's set in Japan. Unless yeah. this anime has specifically told you it is somewhere else in the world. Like, unless you get Attack on Titan where they explicitly tell you is the only Asian left. Right. Guess what? They're all Japanese. Right. And I just, that's the, I don't know how many that's, times I've had that argument with people. Though. Yeah, it's a whole conversation. I just, I'm just like, please, just, can you just trust me that they're not white people? And the second issue, which just is, is the super deep sexual objectification of women. And oh. I read a lot of shonen, I watch a lot of shonen, and that means I have to deal with this a lot. And it's fucked up because basically anytime I watch anything, I usually rate things on a one to five star thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, there is no shonen I watch where I can say, this is zero problematic. Like, like I, I always like, here's how good it is on the story. Here's how good it is on the, the action. Here's how sexually objectifying it is. Yeah. Right? And it's just sort of like, it just, there is no point where I can say there is zero. And that pisses me off. Because I'm just like, I came for giant robots and magic powers. I don't need to see 13-year-olds panty shots. Yeah, like, let's, let's also that. talk about that. It's not just the objectification of women. It's the objectification oh, of very kids. young girls. Yeah. Um, and that that has been what's turned me off of a couple of animes where I watched. Where like, And sometimes you don't get it till a couple episodes in. Yeah. And then and all of a sudden you're bam. like... Or, like, something that you're kind of like, huh, that's kind of funny, and then it clicks for you what's going on. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, no, no, no. I was, I can't remember what anime it was, but I was watching it, and I had assumed that the relationship that was happening between this older male character and this young girl was like a sort of adopted father daughter right, thing. it was. Well, it ne- I, I don't know how far it went, because when we got to the third episode, like, it got clear that she had a crush on him. Uh. And then I was like, you know what? No, I can't. I can't go further in this, because it's yeah. just going to make me uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and it's not to say that you can't explore those themes in interesting ways and, like, talk about it. Plenty of people have done it. Octavia Butler with Fledgling. Um, but, but let's be honest. These are not, these this are doing is not where this is happening. This is not what's happening. They're not, like, exploring it. Um, it's the same thing that... Uh, it's the I'm, same reason that, like, you know, that, like, you know... Oh, super hot three-way porno eight is not a deep exploration of polyamory. Polyamory, yeah, you know, it's like, very true. <laughs> well, and it's the thing that one of the things that drove me crazy about, um, and it's this ties into the objectification, is that um, I went to anime for queer stuff a lot because mm-hmm. there was no queer stuff on my television. I was like, okay, I'd really like to the amount of queer stuff that's abusive uh. in anime. And the thing is that it's so normalized um, that, like, the recommendations I would get wouldn't have a warning with them. And so you'd be like, wait, what the fuck am I watching? Well, let's, I mean, one of the most popular ones I remember being when I was younger, and they showed, I remember them showing this at Yaoi Con. The one year I went with my friend, uh, with 
our old friend Eno. Um, and it was Boku no Sexual Harassment. And it's about a young man who is straight, um, but very sensitive. I, I can't even sensitive no, or physically physic- sensitive. I can't even go into description without okay, if you're younger than like a certain age, plug your ears. He's very sensitive um, anally, and so gets excited by that, even if it's not. So it's like, it's basically a whole trilogy of episodes of this man being traded to men and tied up and sexually assaulted. And it's portrayed as like a romance. And I was just like, no, no, no. This is one of the first ones that got passed on to me. Like, it's this objectification and this, this, um, it's interesting because what you, I think what you find in a lot of like queer anime is this like gender, rigid gender roles being applied and you get this intense feminization of one character and this intense masculization of another. You know, I feel like this really ties back to my why must it be about the way they treat women and sort of the, the sort of like fuckboy mentality of like, like, well, I just, you know, I didn't make this, the story just made this, and this person wants to be abused, that kind of bullshit, mm-hmm. except here it is being applied to queer characters with one being the stand-in as the female character. Yeah. And the same abuse tropes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's, uh, Should we just save those for our why must it be? Yeah, but... Um, but, like, that's my issue, is that I found that in a lot of queer anime. It was about very young boys being abused in some sort of way, and that wasn't what I wanted to see. That wasn't what I was looking for. Yeah. And eventually I found the anime that I wanted to. But the thing is that it's so... Like you were saying, it's so normalized yeah. that people really don't even think of, like, talking about or tagging or letting you know that these things are in that, because it's just... Right. It's just there. I So, like, right now, like, one of my favorite things, I love giant robots, but it's really hard right now to find good giant robot anime that mm-hmm. doesn't involve titties everywhere. Um, I mean, I like titties. I like giant robots. I don't need them together. You know, like, I'm watching one for one reason, another for a different reason. I don't need it together. And I don't need cartoon titties. Well, and like, it's also the fact that, like, you didn't need this. It's one thing... To show someone as a... I don't know. It's one thing to have, like, giant robot titty shot. Giant robot titty shot. Like, and quite another to, like, show someone's full body and have someone go, oh, that's an attractive person. Right, as right. As a, like, as, a, as a part of your story, but not as it's yeah. constantly happening. Exactly. Because we expect... We can't let you go too long without stroking. Right? Like, not, not saying that both don't have problematic elements, but, like, there's a difference between those two. Yeah. Um, and, like, it's that, it's that, I, I personally don't love it, I hate it, but I find it sometimes hilarious, the cuts that will happen in anime, mm. when they're doing that, and they'll just cut to an ash on you, just like, why? Right, right, like, like, why? like people are talking about, like, plans to invade the base in a slow pan up the ass, right, like, and you're just like, oh, what? when did that happen? Like, who decided on that shot? Right. Like, you know what I would want to see when you're planning an invasion? I'd like to see, see the, the table map. where you're show like, map, right, you know. show me the map. Show no. me the character's reactions as everyone's like thinking serious or like, oh shit, we're going to die, you know? Or like, I mean, the place we see it the most are like transformations. Right. Anytime someone magically transforms, especially in the magical girl ones, it's like this nude ribbon thing. You're yeah. just like, really? I, I remember one of my friends made this joke. We were, we were playing some video game and there's a point when the character's getting flung into some vision and he's like, is this the part where I'm naked? Yeah. No, wait, okay. 
now I think I should be naked. Like, Wait, you know I mean? what was that meta anime that you talked about that one time where where clothes are evil alien intelligences? Yes, that would be um, um, uh, Kill a Kill. Yes, Kill a Kill. Kill a Kill is so amazing and so you you have to know anime tropes for all the jokes to make sense. Otherwise, you're like, I don't understand what is happening here, right? <laughs> Um, I've heard really good things. I haven't watched it yet. I will warn you, there is some sexual abuse that happens in there. Um, The sexual abuse is displayed as problematic. It's not like, yay, sexual abuse. It's like, mmm. Yeah. Um, But I want to talk some good stuff about anime. Yeah, sorry. We went on. No, it's okay. It's okay. The heat. We're we're both, like, too hot and angry. But um, I want to mention Satoshi Kon. Mm-hmm. He's an amazing director who passed away. Yes. He's, and we've talked about this before because he's, he's done a whole bunch of Nightmare Fuel. Oh my god. Um, I have mixed feelings about Miyazaki. Everyone loves him, but Miyazaki also somewhat gives me creepy vibes. Um, really? Um, the fact is, you know, everyone's like, oh yes, he has all these strong young women. And I'm kind of like, there's something about that that tweaks me and I can't entirely put my finger on it. I feel in part that a lot of his characters seem a little similar, except when he steps a little further out the bound. And, yeah, I mean, he's got great animation, interesting stories, but probably the biggest... The other one would be... uh, The other biggest tweak was when he did uh, The Wind Rises, which was his giant World War II Japanese imperialism apologism movie, which people don't acknowledge as that. Yes. So... That's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. Um, but a uh, good anime. Um, I want to shout out the first anime I ever saw. What's that? Late night TBS Vampire Hunter D. Oh god, so cracktastic, so good. It's so good. Years later, they did another one, which was not as good. It did mind. have a giant flying manta ray. It, which did, is, it wasn't bad. Yeah, but just what they didn't hit that mark. It didn't capture the. Listen, when I saw that first movie. With the talking hand that was sarcastic as shit. Yes. I fell in love. <laughs> I was like, I want every movie to be this. And it really, I feel like for me, Vampire Hunter D was the perfect entry point into anime. Because it occupied this weird half space at the time. Between, like, these weird fantastical movies that were happening with no explanation. Like, Crawl yes. and Call and all these where you're like... You didn't get a lot of story, but there was, like, fantastic shit going on. Right. And, like, animation that had, like, good plot. So it was this halfway point where you're like, oh, I can enter here. Right. This seems like really, like, yeah. a place to go. Yeah. Oh, um, God. What was my first anime? I'm pretty sure it was Star Blazers. Oh, Star Blazers. Which is problematic, was... but has good elements in places. Battleship. Um, ba- Battleship Yamato. Yes. Okay. Um, so, I do know. intense Japanese imperialism. At the same time, strong anti-war messages. Totally random. But, you know, I was six, and the translated version of the anti-war messages came through. There you go. Like, you know, hey, I saw this, you know, I'm six years old, and the dude's parents got nuked. And I was like, you know, I was used to G.I. Joe. Everyone hopped out. I was like, oh, no. oh his parents are gone. Oh, shit. People <laughs> <laughs> die. Yeah. That was that was one of the first... I feel like that's one of the first lessons you get in anime. <laughs> it's like, no one is safe here. People die. 
Yeah. Like, all the time. Well, it depends on the anime. But it depends I, on the and anime. And it takes a while. Like, think, I think for a while there was a whole thing where they just weren't willing to kill principal characters because anime has a very good... Um, they're very smart. They love... They know people love shipping. Yeah. So they want to keep the characters alive for that. This is true. But then uh, uh, Attack on Titan happened, and everyone's like, oh yeah, back to no one might make it out. Right. Sometimes. (laughs) Jesus. Just the death. Just, there's so much death. Well, uh, God, Parasite. Um, Parasite. Which is an older manga, but. (laughs) They just, they just made a new series. They just adapted it, and it's like, holy fucking shit. Anyone could die at any moment. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, great stuff like that. Um, when anime is great, it is like leaps above. It's got amazing plot, amazing characters, really? amazing emotional resonance, and great sci-fi and special effects. Well, the stuff that I read, I find like what I, I find most interesting about anime is they're willing to do stuff that's more like novels yes. than what a lot of U.S. stuff will do. Yes, um, I've watched anime where I was like. This was very much paced like a novel and had that very slow but interesting development. And you never get that in U.S. stuff. Well, because, you know, you get an anime with, like, 78 episodes. And that's the whole thing. And you're, you, you've got fans who are willing to invest. They know that those maybe those first ten episodes won't be moving as fast because those first ten episodes will be in development, intru- yeah. development, introducing characters, shit's going on, it's world-building. But you're there for the long haul. You know that the pacing here is not like... It's not like American TV where... And I'm not judging or looking down on it because I have that same thing where you're like, I want it now. Get interesting quick. Um, But I almost feel like if you know how to read manga or you know how to watch anime, you know going into some of this longer stuff that you're like, this is not going to get... like The fight's not going to happen right now. It's going to be like 10 volumes in. Once all the characters are introduced and, like, shit's going down. I, I do have to say, though, there's shorter things I've, I've seen that have yeah. also, like, uh, Moribita. That's only, like, 12 episodes. That's only, like, 12. And that flows just like a, a, a novel. Um, uh, uh, Kino's Journey. Um, the Girl with the Talking Motorbike. Oh, yeah! Yeah, that one is also, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a bunch of those that I think is really interesting that they're willing to do stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's got better pacing, and I... I I feel like, um, like you said, they rely, They know that people love to ship, and yeah. they play into that, and they're happy to do that. When that, when the creator of Attack on Titan drew... Um, the body pillow? The bo- <laughs> Not, I wasn't even thinking about the body pillow, but that was some dark shit. So, just, just for context, folks, uh, Attack on Titan is the anime where horrible zombie giant things eat people. And, and body pillows are the merchandise, which are plastic blow-up pillows that you sleep in bed with that have characters on them, usually sexual. And when the creator decided he was going to do it, he did the skinless, horrific-looking giant. Yes. And instead of all the characters that everyone is, like, hoping to have a body pillow of. <laughs> body pillows are fascinating. And if there's any anime character you like, or... Or, um... Uh, I'm sure there's anything at this point. I'm sure anything you like. You can find a Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, bootleggers. Well, I remember when, um, years ago, there were bootleggers at Yaoi Con and other anime cons and manga cons, and what you would do is you would go and they would have the fan-made doshinjin that were like... Oh, yeah. Harry Potter marries Draco Malfoy and has a pastel of children. 
drawn and under the table for sale for like ten bucks. Yeah, and, and for context, that is basically your fanfic. Yeah, your manga fanfic. Manga fanfic, as dirty as you want it, as and dirty as you want probably it, probably more than what you wanted. <laughs> Someone gifted me with like a uh, 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 doshi jean that was Star Wars, Qui Gon, and Obi Wan, but there's no translation. But it's done in like full gorgeous color. Yeah. <laughs> but I have no idea what they're saying, and yet if I flip through it, I get depressed. Because I'm like, I just know that this doesn't end well. (laughs) The art just lets it be known to me that some shit goes down, even if I don't know what they're saying. But it's beautifully done. Like, it was a great gift. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Uh, It's too hot, and I've lost track of what we were talking about. Uh, Good stuff in anime. Good people in anime and manga. I Um, mean, I feel like we talk about anime and manga in every episode a little bit. Yeah. So, like, all of our recommendations from before are awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Vampire so, Hunter D, Magic Knight Rare Earth. I love um, um, Psychopath. Psychopath. Kayu Karamao. Um, oh, yeah. I love Kayu Karamao. Like, I that was. I saw a little bit of that. I, I, it didn't turn. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. It didn't turn out gay the way I wanted it to. But it's still such a great. Um, manga and anime, it's such a great, like, queer family, even if there aren't, like, queer sexualities. I mean, there are queer sexualities. It's just the whole thing. You'll you have should, to watch it should, and read it. You should watch Hunter x Hunter. This is Those the one... Those boys love each other. They love <laughs> each, each other, other so much! Um, wait. Is this the one where, like, people can't hunt... Like, people can't leave the center continent for the outside yes, continent? Yes. Okay, yeah, you've told me about this a couple times. It, it's good. It's we're, it's not perfect, because there's no perfect anime, yes. but it is good. And we're okay. There's not a lot of women characters, mm. but the ones who show up do get to be awesome. There's a couple that are whack, but for the most part, it's decent. Okay, yeah. I'll check that out. I've, I've been looking for something new to watch lately. Yeah, shall we go into Why Must It Be? Yeah, let's go into our Why Must It Be. I should think of a Why Must It Be. <laughs> I thought you had a Why Must It Be about objectification. No, 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 I've done that before. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Why must it be? Why must anything be? Uh, um, okay. Maybe I should go first, but I don't have one either. I have you know what? Maybe we Why must it be throughout the episode, and that's enough for now. Maybe that's enough. Maybe... We'll save it for the Why Must It Be, the solely Why Must It Be episode, where we do nothing for I feel like there's a Why Must It Be on the tip of my brain, but the heat is keeping it away. Um, So, uh, world, you were spared our wrath. You were spared our wrath. Um, Shout out to Nurgasm Noir. Shout out to Nurgasm Noir and all those fabulous ladies. They're amazing. Listen to their podcast. Um... 8-Bit Animal. 8-Bit Animal, Matisse in Space, um, which is the Native women watching, like, Native reps in sci-fi, which is interesting and hilarious. Fresh Out of Tokens and I Need Diverse Games. Yep. Fresh Out of Tokens and I Need Diverse Games are both awesome. And, and... And it's Black Girl Nerds. (laughs) Is that the one I was looking for? Fuck. Brain is fried. Okay. Just, just, just listen to every pl- podcast of people of color. You need people of color in your life. They soothe you. They anger you. They diversify your opinion. They're much better than white people. 
Just go do that. <laughs> the end. I don't... <laughs> Sounds good. All right, y'all. Catch you later.